0: Thanks so much, everyone. We are going to roll into the next session, um, which is going to be hosted by Jenny Spears, who's from Bloom PR. She's been on the PGB journey from day dot and uh, advises us and all of the charities and teams that we work with over the years. Um, She's going to be in conversation with Awal Mahmoud from um, School Food Matters. You've already heard about what an amazing job they've been doing on their content and, and, and that side of things. Um, Zoe Franklin, director of communications and events for Horatio's Garden, um, and Claire Foggett, editor of the English at Garden magazine. So we're really excited to have you. Um, we're going to do sort of 20 minutes of, of chat, 10 minutes of questions, and then a much shorter break um, to kind of make up for, for time I've lost on the day. Um, so, yeah, if you can uh, just keep thinking of your questions as you go through, and then we'll get them done quickly.
1: Thanks, Hattie, and, yeah, welcome, everybody. Um, so i just think i'll kick off with a note that probably most people in the room i'm imagining have um, never been to chelsea and have probably never imagined for a minute that they might take their charity to chelsea so i was going to start with claire who is editor of the english garden magazine currently but has been a garden journalist for for many years now i've been i've been in contact with claire for <laughs> probably longer than we both wish to remember uh, or admit but um I thought Claire might give us a little bit of an insight into what is all the fuss about. Like, what is it about Chelsea that that everyone gets excited about in May? Um, because maybe as a charity, your main um, media targets might not be garden journalists. Um, they might not even be life You know, in the lifestyle sector. So. I was just hoping, Claire, you could give us a bit of an insight into that Chelsea moment that happens in your calendar and how you as a, as a magazine team, very small magazine team, I have to say, kind of prepare for that.
2: Yeah. Um, is this okay? Can you hear me? Um, I don't really understand it, actually, if I'm completely honest with you. I wish it wasn't such a fuss. I wish the fuss was spread out equally over maybe more events, n- nicely, you know, distributed throughout the year and not in our busiest period anyway um, but yeah it's true chelsea just attracts this enormous furore um our website traffic spikes the sales of our magazine that go on sale in that week just well, it's the biggest selling issue of the year and even people who you know don't buy a magazine throughout the year who don't have that kind of sort of you know really keen at gardening as as a hobby they will still you know it will just attract people into gardening so the people who just have a passing interest will watch it on telly maybe pick up a magazine maybe look stuff up online and yeah it's just a massive spike just during kind of chelsea week or sort of you know the fortnight three weeks around it that other shows sorry rhs like hampton court tatton just don't get at all it's all about chelsea this one major event
1: and it's really worth, I mean, and you'll all be very aware of this, but the coverage now is, is probably much more skewed online. So, in, we were just chatting before, and traditionally, when you're talking to monthly magazines, um, certainly for sort of garden, traditional garden features, you know, I'm not talking about show garden features, I'm talking about you know private or public garden features, you're working a year in advance because you're taking the photographs in a year. The, the feature's gonna appear in the magazine the following year. Um but for Chelsea, those deadlines are a lot shorter. So Claire was saying before um, the the RHS embargo on information that we can send out to the to the public realm about um, Chelsea is likely to be in the autumn. We don't know exactly when yet, and um, we did have a situation this year where they suddenly decided to bring it forward by three weeks That got everyone a sort of racing, but um, it's likely to be in the autumn. But Claire, you were saying that um, you don't, I mean, you might take information at that point, but you don't really start thinking about
2: Chelsea until early March? Yeah, um, in the new year, certainly. There's always um, a huge arrival of masses of Chelsea emails after that autumn press conference, when the embargo is lifted. But we don't necessarily need the information then. So, you know, I suppose you're obviously all keen to make the announcement that you're going to be at Chelsea, but don't panic on our behalf because we don't need it that early. <laughs> so we we tend to put a preview of the show in our May issue, um, but obviously that goes to press around um, late March, early April. Um, and so we only have your artist's impressions to go on and your press releases, so most of our more in-depth coverage happens. During the week of the show itself, when we've got proper pictures of the actual gardens having been built. Um, so so yeah, what was the question again? I can't remember what you said. <laughs> oh, I was just,
1: just think I was just making the point that, you yeah. know, we can we can worry about deadlines and we can worry hmm. about when we need to send things to, to media, yeah. but but there is some leeway in that. I mean that's yeah. not true of all media and some some nationals will cover, I mean, particularly news sort of stories around why maybe why your charity is taking a garden to Chelsea, what is it about Chelsea that's attracted you. That, some of that coverage might come out before Christmas, but really it's post-Christmas that you know, people really start thinking about those issues. Thanks. Thank you very much, Claire. Um, I think I'll come to Zoe um, from Horatio's Garden. I know that you came to this process late because you arrived at Horatio's Garden a bit later, um, but I was just going to ask... From your expectations of it, going, you know, as you arrived at the charity, you know, com- going into Chelsea, has the interest in your garden sort of met those expectations, exceeded them? Like, how, how has this week been for you as a charity um, at the show?
3: Well, <laughs> yeah, this week's been completely phenomenal. I think it's been extraordinary to win a gold, and then and then we were lucky enough to be awarded Best in Show, so... To have front page yesterday of the Telegraph and um, you know print pieces right across the nationals, and it's it's just been extraordinary because we we have worked so hard for so many months to um, garner as much interest in the in the garden as possible and really eke out those different story angles and work you know with different types of press and regional press to to you know some some degree of of, of success, but just to come here. And on Monday, I think there's about 700 journalists that come to, to press day. So the interest is extraordinary. And then obviously that continues through the week, you know, if you get awarded uh, medals on the garden. so. It, it has really sort of blown out the water, I suppose, of what we might have expected. And, you know, obviously the BBC will cover all the gardens anyway, and you have to work very closely with them to to sort of identify what that's going to, to look like. Um, and there is a certain amount that you would imagine, but I think, you know, the prestige and the profile that this has given us is really extraordinary.
1: But I think you as a team have, and you alluded to it, but have done really well to find those Stories within the garden and how they link back to your charity. Um, And that's something that we would really recommend that you think about from the beginning. Um, It's almost, again, you know, just as with the project management for the garden itself, it's about deciding very early what for your charity success looks like after show week Um, and thinking about how you extend that storytelling beyond the show because. Every one of these gardens has a life beyond Chelsea. It's just that starting point. So Horatio's Garden is a, is a really good example of, of a, a sort of a whole garden um, relocation. It's going up to the hospital in Sheffield as a, um, where there's a specialist spinal unit and a, as, a, as a garden that will be used by patients and families. Um, but you have, have looked at those different sector sectors from the beginning, haven't you, and chunked that up?
3: Yeah, that was a really important part of our campaign, really, was to look at the design as a whole and really think about those story angles as best we can. As a charity, we have, um, as as you may know, we have gardens in a number of regional locations already and spinal centres. And we really tried to think hard about how we could bring those regional stories alive as well. Just thinking about that engagement and thinking about the sort of regional press coverage. And also just thinking about the People's Choice Award, um, which is the, the 24 hours when the public can vote for their, for their favourite garden. And just to build that, that sort of foundation of support we felt was really important. So we are always looking for those stories where we could build on elements of the garden and bring them to life and for us we had um we had some um, thumbprints that were cast in our in our garden room, and we we took thumbprints from 1,200 people who were involved in the Horatio's Garden community um, all around the country, but also bringing the garden to life. And we were able to take photographs and film and document that process. And we had our patron, who was um, uh, Princess Eugenie. She cast the first one. So it just immediately gave us that um, lovely kind of storytelling angle, and we were able to make that story into... So a different kind of regional focus and and really bring that to life. So I suppose drip feeding those stories was really important to our our campaign. It gave us lots of uh, content for social media, website um, and also sort of media coverage and really trying to build on that.
1: And I think it is about building that excitement, isn't it? I mean, everything's building towards May, but there are opportunities before you get to the show to, to build that excitement and to, to build that story, but maybe save that sort of big reveal, and that, I think that's what you, d- you guys did really well, is sort of, you know, you're, you're sort of getting glimpses of what might be coming, and then you have this sort of garden reveal at the show itself. Thanks, Zoe. I was going to come to OWL because OWL has absolutely killed it on on socials for, um, for, for School Food Matters for many months now. And we were chatting before about how you've prepared for that. So I think you were saying you were first briefed about the garden back in November, is that right? Yes. So when you were thinking about how you were going to treat that on socials for School Food Matters, what did you and the and the and the wider team do to sort of um, find those stories in the garden to, to be able to push out and how did you then plan to, to kind of go out and find that content?
4: Well I suppose the first thing to to note is, I mean it is very interesting to us to have a garden <laughs> amazing <laughs> for us. But I don't think for the whole world it's going to be the you know the biggest story of their week, of their month. So if we go to people, we tell them hey, we've got a garden. Hey, we've got a garden every <laughs> month for months. A yes. lot of them are going to unsubscribe and, you know... Not so it's
1: about repetition it's and not and not worrying about the repetition.
4: Yes, but for us, we wanted to tell the story about what we do um, because we're not just doing a garden for the sake of doing a garden. Um, we Yesterday I was at the Chelsea Flower Show talking to people and the first thing I was telling them was, hey, this is going to two primary schools after this show, because we want those children and every child in the country to have access to a place like this or a place where they can learn about food, have access to nature. Um, And this is the utopia. Mm. Um, And they get it. They understand the importance of, you know, people are saying to me, hey, (laughs) children don't know where food comes from these days. And I was like, "That's. I mean, I was going to say that to you. (laughs) Um, So telling those stories... Uh, on social media, telling the story about where the garden is going. And we focused a lot on the relocation itself. The kids, um, they were a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So we went to the school where the garden is, two of the schools where the garden is going. Uh, We did a video there um, with the kids, and they sat down with the garden designer, Harry. And uh, he said, what do you want out of the garden when it's relocated? And there's a really cute video of the kids saying, I want a pond with ducks and <laughs> I want a home for, um, you know, the, the foxes. Um, and and Harry
1: went home and scribbled. Yes, he was like, again. oh my
4: God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can do some of it. Uh, the, food, the food bit I can do. Um, so essentially telling those stories, what do you do? Uh, why is this garden important? What does it represent? Mm. Um, that story rather than Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah.
1: But I think that's really important, isn't it? Because there's two sides of this. Obviously, you're designers and you're creating a beautiful space for visitors to enjoy, for viewers at home to enjoy. Um, but for many of the charities in the room, I expect there is a certain element of, of campaigning, of, of policy work, of, of really important messaging that goes beyond what that garden can do for you. Um, and Schoolview Matter and Han Horatio's Garden have, have done that sort of really well in that you've, you've been unafraid to bring that policy campaigning focused messaging into your story throughout. So yeah, good work. Um, Clara, I was gonna come back to you because we were talking before about um, how you decide on what to focus on in your Chelsea coverage. So you are obviously a garden magazine. You're interested in the plants. Um, but I was thinking particularly for your online coverage because these guys do so much online. Um, and, and you're sometimes doing that on the hoof, very, very close you know, to the time. But you're such a small team. So is there, is there ways that, the, that, that these guys can help you? Um, what, what, would you what would you suggest yeah, that they're thinking definitely.
2: about? Definitely. There's a, there is a yawning gap between that first sort of preview that we put in the print mag and the artist, the lovely artist impressions of the gardens. And then the most of the online content we put together really, really quickly after press day when we've got proper, you know, photos of everything having been built. And in between those two, there's just so much more that we could do, but we do need mostly the designers and the PR team's help. So, Um, we occasionally run blogs from designers about, you know, their creative process, so it might be four parts or something about picking the plants, the design, bringing it onto the showground, which I understand is a huge faff for everybody (laughs) who has to do it, but obviously it gives us something that we can put online before the gates of the show open. And just, yeah, anything that can kind of fill that gap, so, you know, your plant selection, plant lists, things like that, so important, but yeah, a lot of it is a little bit off the hoof, you know, we'll get to the show on Monday and something will become apparent, so we were saying before, there's an opportunity there, you know, to just um, squeeze in with something, Um, yeah.
1: Um, So before we go to questions, because I'm sure there's going to be lots of questions um, and we're more than happy to answer, I was just going to finally, certainly for for you and and you, Owl, I was going to ask you, if looking back now I mean you're kind of still midweek so you're still talking to visitors about the garden but is there something that you just really wished that you'd thought about before and you didn't do I know I've put you on the spot I'm sorry (laughs) because obviously for you guys you're sort of you know sitting there scribbling notes planning out how can we make the most of this so what, what would you what would you think you would you would have wished you'd done or done differently
3: such a good question. Yeah, I'm just trying to think on the spot here. Very, very tired um, after a very long week. <laughs> um, yeah, I think oh, we're, we're, we're such a, a a small team um, that delivered this. I think what we did do is try and think really carefully about where the gaps might be on show week, where we would need that extra support. Um and I think it, it was very, very useful. We brought a freelance um, video content editor in with us a couple of days. Um, and I think perhaps, you know, it is worth really considering that. You think, we're talking about all the content. I mean, we've, we've produced so much content this week on our on our socials and just thinking about, you know, fil- we've made a little wrap uh, of um, a reel of press day. You know, we're, we're just thinking about film content and, and what we can produce throughout the week. And I suppose it's... Perhaps a bit more thinking around how you can kind of bolster that show week team to get out the content really quickly. Um, And I think preparing materials as much as possible in advance. Things will need tweaking, things will need changing on site. But just, I think, having as much prepared as possible, you know, I think that that is an area that perhaps, you know, is worth thinking about doing as much as and you when you're tired, you know, you, you kind of can't... You know, you, yeah. you sometimes just
1: get to that point in the week where you just... Yeah. You can't write content anymore. You, you're sort of it's looking so at your true. phone. I know I have to do an Instagram post. I can't remember anyone's name. So, yeah, ha- absolutely. Sort of having that done in advance is really good. And Al, what about you? If, I mean, if you could have done something differently, done something, done more of something or less of something, what is it that you would, you would suggest?
4: I think... Everyone told us how much work it was going to be and just how tired you're going to be (laughs) as well. And I didn't necessarily take them seriously, I don't think, (laughs) um, because it still turned out to be a shock. Um, And I think, as you mentioned, you're know, you going to be uh, doing posts at night and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't (laughs) remember anything. Um, But I think what really helped us was having, at the very beginning... Um, set out who's doing what so we divvied up the tasks and that is very important because if one person is focusing on everything social media press coming to them as well at the same time you're going to crumble so at the beginning decide you know for us what we did was uh, my colleague Charlotte said I'm going to the press I'm going to send out the press releases I'm going to you know send out the pictures so I'll do that you focus on social media and website which I did. Um, and then we luckily had um, an, an expert uh, PR person in the gardener section. So she's working with um, Harry, who's our garden designer. So she focused on garden press, and we did non-garden press. So in the end, everyone knows what they're doing. They become experts at it. And you know the messages stay the same. Mm. Um, so I think that is good advice. Um, and social media isn't too, but and, and the other thing is, um, on Monday, for instance, uh, Charlotte, my colleague, she was on, she was there on press day, um, and she was taking pictures and you know saying, "Oh, the press are here, the press are here, um, get ready, they're going to be uh, on in a minute." Okay, it's live. And
1: Owl our, our was back at the office, so yes. you know you sort of had that split because. When you are on site, you know there is it is just really buzzy, it's really busy, um, and there, and you know we've talked about the reception, the reception can get pretty pretty edgy, um, so yes. you know Owl was back at the office taking you know pictures and vid- little videos from from Charlotte, and you were able yeah. to then CA so I, I just
4: yeah, so uh, I clipped. Uh, some of the BBC coverage that we got, uh, so the kids were singing on the Monday. It was so cute and s- the next day you know, this was on BBC London News, by the way, so the kids were singing the choir um, and uh, that went out in the evening. the next day I was or oh, sorry the Wednesday I was uh, volunteering, and everyone was like, "Is this?" It's just the garden with the kids. And <laughs> um, yes, we are. <laughs> Let me tell you about us. Um, so, and where did you hear about us? Oh, we were, you were on BBC News. Um, and so um, I was able to you know, work from the office, get things done, and other people can be at the garden getting things done. Yeah. And it's a team effort at the end of the day as well. So I think I, mean, I really think important. just
1: before we go to questions, just ending on that video point, um, the BBC does have an exclusive arrangement with the RHS. They are the official broadcasters from the show, so there are some limitations on the number of minutes that you can put out on your social or digital channels during the week. Um, that doesn't apply in the lead up to the show, so you can, you know, take quite a lot of video in the build. You know, you can really be building that story. You know, we went back to those little details, maybe focusing on the sculptor. You might be using, maybe focusing on some of those build elements that are sort of coming through, focusing on the plant selection visits to nurseries you know, these are all kind of content you know possibilities um can i just say on that yeah, as well yeah, yeah, so it.
4: i posted that video of the kids singing on twitter and it got a hundred thousand impressions which was i mean so for some charities that will be you know a, a normal month but for us that was a 250 percent increase <laughs> <laughs> in one i was
1: already got his stats sorted yes, out like, I this got all like, on this,
4: this. Um, so And Deborah Meaden uh, retweeted it, said, I love Aww. meeting the kids. So, I mean, it does pay off uh, yeah. having that uh, press attention um, and people know about what you do. So that's why it's important to get all that publicity.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Owl. So, Hattie, I think we're going to get a questions, aren't we?
0: And then um, I'll come out. Okay, great. Your hand was up first. so I'm
5: coming to you. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I think it's probably a question for you, Zoe. Um, so I look after the celebrity support relationships at our charity, and we'd certainly be keen
4: to make the most of the opportunity from a celebrity PR point of view. So we'd be quite keen to invite celebrities to come visit our garden, um, so we can get some great content for social. I just wondered, from your own experiences working with the RHS, are they quite generally quite um, receptive to you working with celebrities? They might be reaching out to. You know, I've worked at other charities before where we've linked up with organisations who. Perhaps were a bit more um, had more they had more control over the people they were reaching out to, so they wanted to have a separate list to who we wanted to reach out to. But I think there's an opportunity to be quite collaborative here, um, and I know one of the speakers earlier mentioned around grabbing people, you know, for an opportunity. So, just wondered if you can share a bit about your experiences with the RHS and are they quite supportive of that side of things?
3: Absolutely. So on um, on on press day, there's the photo call opportunity, which you you may have already heard about. Um, you do get the opportunity to apply for as many passes as you as you need for photo calls. So it might be that you want to bring on your celebrity ambassadors to create that moment that the photographers will capture. Um, it's about close liaison with the, with the RHS. The press office are very friendly. You know, it's worth speaking to them about people that you want to invite. They may be inviting them anyway. Um, they... It's, it's th- at their discretion, really, as to, you know, how many extra passes they might give you for, for press day. But we certainly asked to invite, we, we asked to invite quite a number, and we, we ended up bringing three or four in on, on press day. Um, but we felt that they were brilliant advocates to show we have an accessible garden, and it was about, you know, mobility needs. And I think it was a really great message, you know, to have those uh, particular ambassadors there. Um, so, yeah. Work closely with them, talk to them. Um, Everyone wants to get the most out of press day, so it's important, you know, to to maximise profile for the whole show. You know, it's it's helpful for them too. And in terms of of press day, you know, I, I would certainly... Absolutely, make sure that you're bringing on your, you know, your your, your best names. But it, it is literally about grabbing people as they come past, trying to speak to them about your charity. I think I I heard someone mention about the tip sheet that circulated just before. So make sure that all your team are briefed who's coming, and there's you know, make sure you try and recognise those those names so you know to 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 grab them, and you know, don't feel don't feel worried about just asking them to pose for a picture on your garden there will be um snappers there and once you capture that photograph then you know that could be your moment in the in the press so it's important to to do that congratulations (laughs) how amazing um i wondered if you'd thought about what comes next to keep up the momentum around the noise that you guys have created this week that's a really good question and something that we're already starting to, to think about. I think what's what's fantastic for us is that we know that this garden is going to Sheffield, um, Sheffield Hospital, it's going to be the eighth Horatio's garden. What's next for us is really to... to to maximize on that fundraising appeal now um, because we need to raise the funds to, in order to, to to build that garden so there is a lot of noise and profile at the moment and we really want to to make sure we sort of turn that into to something where we're really appealing to the public to to help support us you know achieve that goal um, it's really important we don't we don't know exactly what's going to happen next you know i think there's lots of opportunities that have come as a result of this week Lots of conversations have been happening. I think the next few weeks are going to be brilliant to just follow up on a lot of those. Um, But, yeah, we we have the the campaign, really, to get the the garden to to Sheffield. And, you know, I think we'll do everything we can, building on this profile, to to get it there.
1: And, Al, you've probably got some some insight there too, haven't you?
4: Yes, so um, the relocation of the garden is a very big part of our entire story um, because it's going to two primary schools, Um, so the relocation day, uh, we're we're making sort of a a big deal out of that, so like the red ribbon being cut sort of thing, um, inviting uh, the MP, local MP in Liverpool, where one of the gardens is going, Uh, so she came the other day to one of our events at Chelsea, um, and we're doing the same thing in Ealing, where the other garden is going, having that sort of big day, inviting the press, um, and she even actually the one in Liverpool. We were having trouble getting the local press, and she was like, "Oh, I know someone there, so I'll make sure he comes down and you know does a does a bit on that." And um, I think also in terms of the lasting story, it's the legacy of what you're doing, isn't it? Um, you're not just there for the week; uh, you're there, t- you know, to spread your message. So that is also a lasting impact. The people who now know what you do. Um, I would say also, I uh, had another point, what was it? Oh yes. Yeah. so if you make content, fresh content for Chelsea on social media, for instance, if you make a video um, like we did, we made a few videos um, like the one I mentioned earlier. We did another one with our gardeners, um, school gardeners. They go into schools and they teach kids how to grow fruit and veg and uh, you know they spend time with them. One of them is a mental health expert. Um, and they work with all the kids across London and outside of London. So we sat down, we did video interviews with them, and we asked them, you know, what are the benefits that you see of doing all this? and I was there. I I recorded it, it was like an hour-long video. (laughs) Um, I had to cut it up. Yeah, good luck with the edit on that. Yeah, oh, it took me forever (laughs) to do it. But we made different videos, one focusing on the mental health benefits, one focusing on the food education side of things, and the general one as well. We put that all on social media, one of our most popular videos, and the benefit is that will last. We can use that now. Forever for anything that comes up. I
1: think that's a really good. That's a really good point. Actually, we were talking to Claire earlier about, about this. It's about evergreen content. So it's using Chelsea as an opportunity to create content that doesn't necessarily um, have to tell your Chelsea story. That you can just use again and again. You can be able to come back to it and use that as evergreen content. And that's something that Claire was talking about. You know you've got you've got targets, you, you need to sort of be keeping your click rate up and you've got SEO targets. So if if, if the garden teams can find ways to continue to feed yeah. you with information that maybe links back to that Chelsea garden beyond it, that would be useful, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. We we were talking earlier about how News about Chelsea does have an expiry. Like obviously, in a few weeks' time, this would all be sort of old news. But we can put something on, you know, Chelsea planting combinations online, and that will stay online in perpetuity with your charity's names next to, you know, all the pictures we use that we've garnered from that day at the show. So yeah, it's um, yeah, news in the gardening world. I mean, we don't really have much in the way of breaking news, do we? So yeah, if you can focus it back on the things that gardeners like, like. Plants and designer stories, and you know, you know any aspect of the gardens really. Then it can sit online for forever. And it's
1: worth doing your homework. So you know, garden magazines like the English Garden, but there are obviously several. Um, you you work to a sort of formula, don't you? So mm-hmm. you can look already on the websites and see there are plant features and there are detail features, and you know you can already start to think about how does. How does our garden link to some of this content? Where do we fit in um, and start planning on that? Yeah. Thanks, Claire. I've got one more question at the back here from okay. Matt.
5: I don't know how it works
4: today with the BBC so that was really loud um, but uh, when it comes to all of the, the filming and the pre-coverage and the, and the things that they do and often a lot of the stories I know are filmed ahead of time um, is there any way in which um, charities
5: can to re- can reach out to the BBC with their story and that kind of thing to try to secure that initial coverage?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I'll just, I'll just say a little bit and then I'll come to these guys but... Um, the BBC is given the information about the gardens um, at the point of when the embargo is lifted. Um, and they'll have a researcher that then just sort of goes through, very methodically, goes through the information that the RHS will send to them. Um, but the, the brutal answer is it really depends on their budget. So in previous years, before this year, um, as an example, they might have chosen six of the show gardens that are going to be at the show to do that pre-film with. Um, this year they only had a budget in total to do three. So most of the coverage that you see going out on, that, on the BBC this week has been filmed at the show or in the very you know, short build up. Um, but you can definitely do things as a team to, to, to start to make your garden shine. Um, and we would always recommend that you put together or start to think about putting together a sheet that um, you know, draws out some of the themes of your garden, um, you know how how might that story be told um, in, in the build-up, and then again at the show? How can you attract them to your to your garden at the show? But yeah, Zoe,
3: you might have some. some well, more I think on that. I think you've said um, a, a <laughs> lot of what I was going to mention. But yeah, that's that's really important just to draw out those key themes because what they. as you say they only did a few a handful of pre-build pre-build films this year which was which was really disappointing I think for a lot of the the gardens but it means that they had more time at the show to capture content so actually you had to work harder um, to help them make those features at the show and they do tend to split off a lot of their coverage into key features so I know they had a focus on craftsmanship for example this year Um, as a focus on accessibility in gardening so those were two that we were able to get um, included in because those you know chime with the themes of our garden so it's worth having those conversations with them being really clear about your themes about your content and also keeping them updated with your planting as well because they might I think Carol did a feature on violas um, you know it's things like that that you can get an inclusion in it's worth them knowing in advance if you possibly can But they're a very friendly team, and it's, you know, definitely try and make sure you have a chat with them. They will get in touch with you um, individually, but just, yeah, worth kind of keeping them updated.
1: And, Owl, have you got anything else to add on that as far as your relationship with the BBC has been this this time?
4: Um, So because we uh, divvied up um, our tasks, um, you know, I didn't contact the BBC myself, but my colleague did, and I could hear all the conversations (laughs) on the other side of the office. Um, And... I think it's quite funny sometimes because you can send out 100 emails and they can perhaps ignore you and then, you know, one day you meet the journalist in the boot room. I think another colleague of mine, she was doing a, a, organising a, a celebration dinner for the neighbourhood Uh, for the King's coronation and ran into some BBC journalists there and then you start some uh, (laughs) uh, relationships that way and they go oh okay, oh yeah, uh, we'll see and then they get back to you. So uh, sometimes it just works out that way and I think on the week as well a lot of it is just going to be um, you know, it's going to be the BBC feeling things out, seeing what's Uh, interesting what isn't and uh, just make your garden as interesting as possible Um, we had the children there who the garden is going going to go to and no one can ignore children it's really hard Um, (laughs) and if they're singing it's even harder that's going to pull on the heartstrings I
1: know you guys you guys cleaned up with the children but I thought the RSPCA were super brave they had kids and animals on their garden (laughs) on press day I mean that was like an absolute yeah. yeah
4: yes
0: um, we've got a question or a comment from Rear as well, but I also just wanted to add one tiny thing that I've noticed this year is, and from last year, is just around look at what the RHS's sort of themes and strategies are, look at what is sort of the tone of the media in general in the lead up to the show and go back into your stories and find the stats and have those like headline stats because every radio interview that we've done, we've people have asked us like, you know, what's... What proportion of the gardens are sustainable? Like how many women like female designers have you got? like have those numbers to hand and that really helps. And Rhea, have you did you want to say a little something and then I'll hand back to you, Jenny?
6: Um, yeah, I just wanted to add um, my background. I was at the Sunday Times for many years um, and I've always been passionate about gardening and working on the Sunday Times magazine, I was always going to the editor saying, we ought to do more about gardens and Chelsea and we do this and coming up with schemes. And, you know, the honest truth is there was a lot of kind of nodding of heads saying, no, no, it's a garden show, you know. And it, and I, I have to say it was a really hard, hard sell. And the only way, and I did this for years, and although it does have a small gardening coverage, it was still seen on the outskirts. It, it was. I just still felt that there was... Potential that the, the paper, the magazine were missing. And my only way in, in order for me as a journalist and an editor to get content into the magazine, was to go via celebrities. It's just one of the hard truths that, that, that exist, and uh, I have to say my <laughs> the closest I came to having success was to do a supplement that was going to go out for Chelsea, and the only way I could get the people at the top to listen and the people at the bottom was to give them a list of celebrities who actually would be interviewed for this, including some royals, not necessarily at the very top, but even the sort of minor royals. So that was one point. That was my big lesson about gardening and how to get coverage. Secondly, when I moved from the Sunday Times, I dabbled a bit with the Daily Mail. And again, it was like, well, what celebrities? You know, there was a, a real emphasis on celebrities. Now I'm at the Saturday Telegraph, and I managed to wangle my way in interviewing celebrities about their gardens. And this, was, this, is, like, this is sort of the Holy Grail for me, because I get to interview people about their gardens and i and i get to speak to celebrities which is just my sort of expertise area but what i would like to say there were a couple of things that came up about celebrities earlier i mean i was there on monday and i have to say i've never seen so many celebrities actually at chelsea i literally every time i looked around i was spotting another celebrity which of course was brilliant for me because now i'm going to follow up on all these celebrities who I haven't got on my wish list. And I would like to say for you, especially the smaller charities, that that's actually a good thing to do. So even if you go back over the news coverage that was on Monday and Tuesday, and you go celebrity spotting, if you can get, or if you actually had any of these celebrities who were coming to your garden, showing a little bit of interest, please get onto them. You know, you may have have the potential of a new ambassador there and then, Um, But also, um, I I think there's a sort of, there's a turn in terms of celebrities actually seeing that gardening isn't just for old folk anymore, it's not just for pensioners, it's actually a really cool thing, it's sort of, you know, I I saw people like the the lead singer from Texas, I saw uh, Grimshaw, I saw everyone from DJs to actors, um, j- just a really wonderful splash and variety. Um, and also, there was someone who talked about um, the fact that, do they, do they get paid? No, oh, I, I, I don't think they do get paid. They get invited by the RHS. Um, but actually, when I was interviewing celebrities for Chelsea. You know, I was often going to them to tell them, hey, look, this person is really into gardening. They're a celebrity. They were interested in what information I could give them. So if you do find celebrities interested, in gardening, in gardens. I mean, not only should you try and get them to to see if they'll be an ambassador for you, um, because you've only got to get them standing in your garden and that's it, that could be the front picture the following day. But there's also a thing, a bit of an unsaid thing, with a lot of the agencies, the talent agencies, especially with the younger younger, um, pop stars, actors, they're kind of advised to to tally up with a charity. So a lot of them might go for the big charities, but actually it's really worth reaching out to them because they kind of know that they need to sort of be seen to be doing some good work. And if you can encourage them or they've got an inkling of interest in gardening, um, then, then j- just run with it. I think there's a lot of potential there to, to get that. And I know it sort of hasn't come up much today, but I can't say enough from my point of view having worked for three four nationals that it was all about celebrities and if i could get a celebrity who was interested in gardening i was on that was it i had my interview commissioned so and that's where i am today that's why i get my page in the saturday telegraph gardening section which is brilliant (laughs) thank
0: you so much um jenny and team we are really tight on time but i'm gonna let louise ask a question. I was just wondering if um, the
1: RHS released an accredited press list, because you mentioned there were like 700 journalists on press day, and that just seems a wild amount of people to but, contact. There's a very quick answer for that. No. And it's no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's fair to say that um, just, just assume that, that all of the gardening and lifestyle press will be represented, all of the nationals will be represented, um, and if you have very specific media that you know will write about your garden then it's worth talking to the press office about because they they limit the press passes to journalists who have been commissioned or or in the process of being commissioned so but but it's definitely if you have somebody more unusual that you know is interested it's worth talking to them early
0: um, I think
1: that's there, the there are opportunities beyond Press Day there as well. I mean, obviously, Press Day is an amazing day to be there. It's really good fun. I mean, was a great example of someone who said, actually, do you know what? I need to be in the office for Press Day because I need, just need to be able to churn out this stuff. But um, there are opportunities for journalists to come all through the week. And extending your story through the week is also really, um, really worthwhile. If you've got a moment, a, a sort of media moment that you can sort of push to the end of the week, then that's, that's really great but i mean we had along you know the the podcast editor for third sector magazine she came on tuesday she had a great time you know interviewing a few of the gardens interviewing hattie and again the economist came on tuesday so you know you, you kind of there are some sort of more um you know maybe journalists at the rhs wouldn't ordinarily think about really interested in covering the show they don't necessarily have to be there on press
4: day can i just say as well on that awesome. Um, Don't forget about trade publications, so your charity is obviously in a certain sector um, and the people who read those trade publications, so for us being food, education, health, nutrition, uh, they're going to be very passionate about the sorts of areas that you cover, so even though The Guardian may have a much bigger audience, they might might not necessarily be the ones that you're trying to target.
3: Great. Um, I, we've got a... Uh, sorry, Zoe. I, I just go. very quickly just wanted to say, don't forget about Sunday as well. We were lucky to find out before that actually there's quite a lot of media that do come in on Sunday. They appreciate having a bit of um, extra time in the slightly less crowded um, showground, and it's a nice opportunity to have those longer conversations on the garden. We actually had quite a full day on Sunday with media interviews, and... Um, so do make sure you're, you're ready for that. Yeah, um, check,
1: check. I'll very quickly say, check out the Centrepoint socials because they, they had an absolute killer of an event on Sunday evening from one of their supporters that, that was kind of happened on Sunday for Monday. So yeah, that's a really good point. Sorry, Hattie, go on. Oh, sorry, Tom.
0: Um,
5: on the BBC and the relationship with the BBC, um, there's a really close relationship with the show manager and the BBC researchers so when I was show manager, I used to have long conversations and the researchers would call me up and go, what are the best gardens? Who should we be speaking to? So make friends with Gemma Lake, like it was constant. I think um, that
1: goes beyond the BBC relationship though, Tom. I think generally make friends with Gemma It's Lake. a good idea to make friends,
5: but literally <laughs> I used to, I'm trying to think, is anyone in the room? So I used to just call up garden designers and landscapers on a Friday afternoon when I, had no, I didn't want to do any work and just have a chat with people to find out how their stuff was going and they would call me up and see how I was, just as this sort of camaraderie friendship of shows. But keep on doing that and keep on in touch with the RHS because then when it was Claire Savage, the researcher of the BBC calls me up, the, the last person who I spoke to will be front of mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think that's all the time we have uh, for, for questions. Um, just everyone, a huge round of applause for our speakers. Thank you so much.